Yo, and hello, this is I Have a Podcast. I am Vinny Potestivo, and our guest today is so awesome. She's known by many, many names. She wears many, many hats. Some of you may know her as Rebecca Pearson from NBC's This Is Us. Others may know her as Rapunzel from Disney's Tangled. There's also Hillary from Saved, Jamie from A Walk to Remember, and of course, there's Lana from The Princess Diaries. By the way, all of those movies we will talk about in this podcast today. But for as long as I've known her, Mandy Moore has always worn many hats, and she wears them so well. Singer, songwriter, actor, host, producer, production company owner, businesswoman, team leader, super bestie, and now a mom. I can't believe the things she's accomplished in her life and what we've been able to build together. And in today's episode of IHAP, we'll dive into uncharted territories and ways to break in and thrive in an industry that you have no experience in. And here's a little hint, ask for help. We'll also dive into how Mandy used many forms and platforms of media to help build her brand, claim her narrative, and empower her audience to make an impact. And we'll talk about work-life balance, the importance of outsourcing, and a clever little trick that Mandy has come up with to help prioritize where to spend time. Something about your input dictating your output. Want to find out what that means? Let's go. I met you at 15? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that in, in terms of like your origin story, somewhere between the FedEx guy and your opening for NSYNC? Yeah, somewhere right in there. <laughs> Actually, I think I first met you when I came into audition, quote unquote, for MTV, which yeah. I don't even think that I really was able to wrap my head around that at that time. I just remember be- I was on tour with the Backstreet Boys, actually, and it was a day off. And I just remember thinking, being overwhelmed at just like the magnitude of being in the building building, being in the headquarters of MTV. And it immediately brought me back to years and years of watching MTV. And specifically right before my career started, I remember I had just started Catholic high school and like getting dressed and putting on my uniform in the morning and having MTV when it was still sort of overnight, just showing videos. And it was right around Christmas time and like the Mariah video, the in-sync Christmas video and like getting ready for school. And then flash forward, not even a year later, being part of the MTV family was just mind-boggling. I can't believe how many episodes of TRL and Sarah Karaoke we shot back then. You were a professional judge by the age of 16. (laughs) Why anybody trusted me with any sort of fashion advice, I'm not sure. I can't really begin to understand that, but as a 16-year-old and loving anything that bejeweled, I don't know why anybody took fashion advice from me, but (laughs) neither here nor there. It was a fun moment in time. I feel like 15-year-old Mandy was all about flats and almost not being as tall as yeah. there was just like this fashion presence. I actually look at your Instagram sometimes and I'm like, that was my relationship with her. Hours and hours and hair and makeup in between yeah. shows. Yeah. <laughs> Some real downtime that happens there. So when you have a brilliant idea, how do you know if it's a song or a movie or a TV show? There's so many outputs. So does it go on a post-it note someplace on a board? Does it go in a book? I wish it were a little bit more strategic like that. I mean, obviously we all have our phones in hand, so there's a lot that's going into my notes app, but I'm not sure. I feel like the more something sticks around in your crawl, in your brain and in your heart, the more attention you are able to dedicate to it and focus on it. I also have a lot of incredible people in my life to bounce ideas off of. How does this sound? What about this idea for a song? Or, man, I love this podcast. It could be a really incredible limited series. Or this article is really like, there's something there. And being able to reach out to the people in my life that I have a lot of respect for, 
and just picking their brain. That's how I've always operated. I think I'm still figuring that out. It's taken me a long time to be comfortable in the position that I've had versus how long I've been in this position. I'm not one to have regrets, but I feel like as a 37-year-old woman, it's really just been in the last handful of years that I'm like, oh, I have a lot more power than I've given myself credit for. I have this incredible platform that I've built over the last you know, two decades plus now, and I should take advantage of that. I should own that. I should lean into it more. You know, it's my own doing of kind of what you said earlier in the conversation of starting sort of wearing flats. I started at such a young age at a time that was so impressionable for me, like coming into my own as a young person and sort of growing up and going through puberty for lack of a better term. I felt so much more comfortable making myself smaller. And I think I did myself a disservice by kind of living in my own sort of insular world instead of finding the confidence to sort of stand with my shoulders back and my head held high and and sort of coming into my own and realizing I have a lot more authority than I give myself credit for. And it's only really been in the last few years that I've understood that and really wanted to take advantage of it in a concrete way. Mandy's story is a great example of someone who was brand new in an industry she had no prior experience in and quickly learned her way around the MTV studio because she wasn't afraid to ask for help. She even hosted Tara live by the age of 15. It's also here at those same MTV studios that she found her love for collaborating in a team environment, which ultimately led to her having her first talk show by the age of 16. So what happens next? Disney calls. As you were breaking into acting, to me, it happened so fast. You were going on set with Julie Andrews, which was because you're Mandy Moore, Julie Andrews. That makes sense. So whatever you're going to go shoot, have fun. In my mind, I'm like, that's so nice and Broadway. And like, that makes sense for all of us. And I felt like something happened on set where you came back like it was just in your blood. You were ready to, and Walk to Remember was not an easy role. You went from play yourself, you know, sugar pop a lot more to play yourself, but Sure, yeah, not. like a different, a different aspect <laughs> yeah. of myself. I feel like with the Princess Diaries, it was, it, you're totally right. It was sort of this electric experience for me where I felt like it was summer camp. And I remember going into the experience like, wow, if this goes well, maybe it will lead to other opportunities. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it, but I completely took to the sort of ensemble aspect of being on set and understanding that it takes these 200 crew members to make this machine work. And I loved that the onus wasn't completely on me in the way that it felt like it was with the music side of my life and career, where I may have had producers and backup dancers and a troop of people sort of helping propel everything forward. At the end of the day, it was me. It was my name. It was me center stage singing. And if I flubbed a dance move or hit a wrong note, that was all on me. I loved the aspect the team sport feeling of being on a movie set was really exciting to me. And so going from really recognizing that with The Princess Diaries to transitioning to a leading role and something that was wholly different from who I was, you know, I wasn't singing in a tank top on the beach like I was in The Princess Diaries. It was the silliness of coloring my hair darker and taking on a role where I didn't have a lot in common with this character. I loved the book so much. There was a lot, I think, that kind of went into that experience. I felt completely unguarded in one sense, but also terrified. <laughs> terrified that I was going to mess it up. Terrified that I wouldn't live up to the expectations I sort of had of myself. 
luckily it all unfolded well and, you know, really opened the door to so many other opportunities. But I just remember like being in the moment on set many, many times with Walk to Remember, like, I don't know how to hit my mark. <laughs> like I, I need Shane West to show me how to sort of hit my mark and not look down right before I hit it. And then, you know, like yeah. <laughs> look at the person. There was so much I've had to learn. I was such a newbie, such a rookie. But you asked for help. I did ask for help. I did. I, I, I think I recognized that early. I'm instinctively not just going to know how to do any of this. And so I need to really lean on folks yeah. in the way that I really leaned on you learning all of this stuff with MTV. And you were such an incredible sounding board to me with when I would feel overwhelmed, when I wouldn't know how to do something, when I would have, when self-doubt would creep in. You were always there for me from the jump to sort of ease my apprehension and my tensions and, and to sort of assure me that I did have the goods and I knew what I was doing and just to really take a deep breath and put one foot in front of the other. It's fun to look back 20 years ago to understand how we were using television to help an artist like Mandy Moore claim her narrative, to develop her brand and let her use her voice on her own terms, sort of how social media allows modern brands to do so today. But recently, as individuals and freelancers, we tend to have a very siloed experience on our creative projects. So it's vital to acknowledge the other two to 200 people in your crew who are also bringing their expertise and crafts to the table. Have trust in your team and let it propel the project, your performance, and everyone else's to their full potential. You had like the best snacks. By the way, your chartreuse charcuterie charcuterie you have this charcuterie thing that is like charcuterie yeah charcuterie you are like a plus if there's a netflix charcuterie show i hope you host it (laughs) oh my gosh we do that together (laughs) that would be brilliant and all of our spare time at all charcuterie challenge (laughs) oh you know man and it's mainly just for people trying to say charcuterie challenge over and over again (laughs) that and hyaluronic we'll put those right next to (laughs) each other they go hand in hand you want to make sure you have the hyaluronic acid to really like moisturize and take care of your face if you're eating a lot of salty charcuterie that's hysterical yeah like what do you eat what do you bring on set or in the studio with you snacks are a very important part of my life i'm glad you asked that i'm constantly on the prowl for a new snack. If anything, I want to sort of add to my resume, it's snack fluencer. I would love to be some influencer that just gets sent all the coolest, newest snacks before they hit jobs. I try to live a bit of a healthy lifestyle. But- You're going to be getting like pickle M&Ms <laughs> and weird, you know. You heard it here first, pickled M&Ms. Anything that's going to give me energy and sustain that energy. I feel like it's not just about the snacks. It's about like the environment overall. I love a good lighting situation. I feel like that's really helpful in terms of being creative, especially when it comes to music and singing and like being in the moment, having a vantage point of seeing the band. So when we're recording, it's like we really truly, even though I'm normally isolated in my own little booth for sound purposes, I can still see the band at large and feel like oh, we're really in this take and in this moment together. You were acting and you were training. You were in musicals. You'd played a role that other people had played before. So you knew if you were doing right or well based on, you know, other performances and so on. You created a whole princess role for Entangled and like yeah. Rebecca is a whole new role. And like you just, it's so cool to get to create these characters that just stay with you for so long. Like that's where I was saying earlier how lucky we were to get to have so much time together and yeah. go through so much together. 
your projects, there's longevity to these yeah. characters that you're building too. There's life. I mean, I've never been a part of anything quite like Tangled that you mentioned. Like, I mean, I grew up being a Disney obsessed little girl and was so heavily inspired and influenced by countless Disney princesses. And so to think now that I'm sort of in those same shoes for other little girls out there that love all of those movies and those songs and the poor parents who have to listen to them at nauseum is just like <laughs> dream beyond dream. And now with a show like This Is Us and going into our sixth season, like I've never been a part of something creating a character, again, that has that kind of longevity and being able to create all of these different chapters of a woman's life and her legacy is just, it's beyond. It's beyond anything I ever could have fathomed. It was intimidating initially thinking, oh my gosh, I've never really done anything beyond an episode of television, like a guest star on a show here or there. What's it going to be like to do 13? Because that's what we were originally picked up for. Like, how am I going to do that? I'm terrified at the prospect of carrying this person in their life. And we're also sort of jumping around in time. Like, how does one do that? How does one stay engaged? How does one keep the audience engaged? To now be almost 90 episodes into telling this same story with the same group of characters is, I have a better understanding of it now, but also then it doesn't ever go away. Like thinking about the future and the life after This Is Us and starting to figure out like what that looks like. In my mind, I'm terrified at what's next. What <laughs> What is that going to look like? How is that going to feel like how do I do that? Can I do that? Do I have what it takes to grow an entirely new human and life and everything that's sort of fleshing all of that out as I have with Rebecca Pearson? I'm scared. So I like that I'm scared. I like that I'm intimidated because it feels like we're ever evolving and I never want to get complacent. I never want to get too comfortable. I constantly want to sort of find those things that challenge my creative brain, that challenge everything that I think I'm capable of. I'm excited about it. I'm excited and I'm daunted and I love that combination. Uh, I'm like getting goosebumps thinking about that. <laughs> it's funny. I see how if this is like this this wild ride that we as the audience are seeing, I see how you're in the front seat of the roller coaster saying like, just where your imagination starts going one way, then the writers come in. Is that how it works? The writers yeah. come in with like what happens and you go, oh, that's, oh, okay. So that's how that happens. Every year before we start shooting a season, we sit down in the writer's room and they give us an overall trajectory of what's going to happen that season for our characters. And inevitably they get excited and start talking about other characters and how that all kind of like factors in. So yes, I'm constantly surprised like, whoa, I'm excited, but I didn't see that coming. Oftentimes we're prepped years in advance for some of the bigger moving parts of this family and these stories. We'll find out the let's say during season two, and then it won't be until season five that we actually see something that we learned about years ago finally come to be. Script by script, we're constantly like, that's how that's going to unfold. I didn't know when or how, but now we know. So it's we're, we're kept on our toes as well in that sense. And it's great because again, it sort of doesn't breed complacency where we're constantly like, we have to stay prepared and ready and sort of on simmer for whatever they're going to throw our way. <laughs> Reassuring to know that as hundreds of people that are working on production, probably, yeah. you know, on a show like that, how in sync they can be yeah. must feel like such solid footing for you to be able to say, okay, I can take on this pressure. If you all think I can do this. Yeah. 
But also I think it's the beautiful synchronicity of everyone doing like their very best, all of us doing our jobs at the same time that create this thing that we're all hopefully very proud of. We're able to stand back and be very proud of. I feel like it was so incredibly obvious and appreciated all the more during these these last like few months, um, this last season, I should say, during COVID. Everyone had to be on their A-plus game, not only adhering to like protocols that allowed us to shoot and taking care of ourselves, which in turn help take care of the overall health of this entire body of people, this entire sort of entity that was working. But it's beautiful to take that step back and go like, wow, the camera department is firing on all cylinders and our sound and our post-production team. And everybody has to collectively be at their best and doing their best for it all to sort of work. And I love that. It's again, like goes back to that teamwork aspect of working on a production, whether it's on a movie or a television show that... I love, I love feeling like we're this well-oiled machine now at this point. And I walk into set and I throw on my, my wire, my microphone, and I'm able to get myself all set up and help that department while they're getting somebody else ready. All of that has to work in a sense for things to fire and to be their very best. It gets me excited and it makes me really appreciate the job that I'm lucky enough to get to be a part of. Have you, have, I don't know if this has happened yet, but have you directed an episode? Is that, is there, is there? No, but I hope to next season. Ooh, cool. I think having the opportunity to be in the director's chair and to feel that and to feel that in the safest possible sense, because I'm with my family, I'm with, you know, a crew of, hundreds of people that I have been lucky enough to work with for the last five and a half years. If I'm going to dip my toe into those waters and see if it's something that I truly am passionate about and excited by, I mean, what better opportunity than doing it in this sense with this group of people. So I'm, I look forward to wading into those waters next year and, and seeing like, it's funny, I've had conversations with other cast members who have not directed. We've had a few people that have directed so far. And there were several people who were like, you know what? Thought I wanted to do it. I don't think it's <laughs> for me. And I'm the opposite. I, I think initially I was like, nope, I don't think it's for me. But as time has gone on and we have, you know, like I said, almost 90 episodes under our belt, I'm like, I, I feel like I have a good sense of how this works and I want to try my hand at it and to see if this is something beyond our show, you know, if that's a hat I want to wear in my life. So let's talk about that balance, that work-life balance. Being a mom, being creative, a business owner, being in control of your schedule, all of that leads to a clearer path to success, a clearer head to create with, and a better relationship with your own mental health. The trick is transparency, honesty being authentic on and off camera with yourself, telling yourself what you need and allowing yourself the space and grace to go get it. How do you balance it all? You're just so consistent. You're so transparent. Thank you. You're very kind. I, I don't know. Breath. I feel like I haven't really been tested yet for in terms of figuring out I have a four month old, how life is going to sort of work. I had to jump back into my day job on the show when he was about a month old, but it was nice because we were sort of like winding down and only had a few episodes left to shoot. So I felt like that was very manageable. I think when I go back to work in a couple months, he's going to be a few months older and be a little bit maybe more set in his ways. And so it will be, it'll be interesting to sort of figure that out. Cause right now I'm home. 
I'm writing music. I'm, you know, finding other ways to sort of check the things off my my list that I need to do on a, on a daily basis. But it does feel inherently easier when, you know, I don't have to sort of show up at 5am for work and figure out like, where am I going to feed this child? And how am I going to feed him? And who's going to take care of him while I'm shooting? It is a lot, but you know, I guess you just sort of make it up along the way. I don't know what I'm doing, Vinny. You're doing a great job, mom. Well, that's, that's full on mom. See, you already know you've got those mom instincts kicking in already. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So how will you moving forward? Do you have like a system in place? How do you find time to create and sort of pay attention to making sure projects aren't just like ideas, but can get to the finish line? Outsourcing, having help, not being afraid to reach out for support in all aspects of life. My husband and I were just talking about this and I think we both subscribe to the idea that the input dictates the output. So making sure that I'm still able to watch shows, even though I know that that doesn't sound like it should be part of the job, it totally is. Making sure that I'm reading and keeping current, not necessarily on pop culture, because I don't know how much that necessarily factors into the creative side of what I do, because I also have a production company, but it's like making sure that I'm keeping current with articles out there and listening to podcasts and yeah, watching shows, watching films, like making sure I know who are incredible new faces and voices out there that I should be aware of. So again, I feel like that the input dictates the output, being aware of what's going on in the world and constantly filling my cup is going to help me in terms of the way I just approach my job. Not necessarily even on that side of like the creative lens, but just feeling inspired, feeling like I'm motivated and excited about what I'm getting to do. The music that I'm writing, the folks that I'm hoping to cross paths with and get to work with, all of that I think is dictated by the amount of time I put in to finding all of that stuff and dedicating to that sort of side of my life. I remember those moments being more sort of overwhelming just because I felt like there were bigger productions at large that I was just one little cog in the machine of, and I didn't want to mess anything up. It felt a lot looser when we had those five episodes in a row of Say What Karaoke, or when I was doing the Mandy talk show in (laughs) Key West all those years ago. I felt like I was in a bit more control, because like you said, there were writers that were specifically writing in my voice, and I felt like I had the ability to stop and start and kind of learn along the way. Whereas if I was filling in for Carson at TRL, it was like, nope, I was jumping in and filling in these really, really massive shoes. It didn't feel like there was any room for error. So in a way, I feel like that helped shaped my, my work ethic, my, how I tried to come into the day's work as prepared as possible. All of that, I think really honed my sense of being a professional and what a professional meant and brought to the table on a daily basis. I mean, I've worked with creatives who experience what you do and they come in an hour late or they get overwhelmed. You would come in an hour early (laughs) with notes and questions the night before. You would. You would really tackle it. And I actually always admired that. Truly, truly did admire that about you because I used to love sleeping in, in the morning and you love being on time. 
enough about my poor work habits in the younger part of my career. What I wish I could do is go back in time and learn one valuable lesson, and that's to show up for myself. It seems so easy for me to show up for others, but I've had an entire lifelong struggle with showing up for myself. I don't know why. I'm excited that I'm doing this podcast, and this is clearly a big part of how I'm showing up for myself, but leave it to a 15-year-old to teach me that just by showing up on time inherently gives you the upper hand advantage. When you show up for yourself and you're showing up for other people, I've only put out a tiny little bit of content and the return on energy. Oh man. Like I'm jumping into podcasts because like I I make a couple of videos on LinkedIn and I'm getting goosebumps because like the change or the connection that I'm making with people that I really thought was made up. I really thought no one really needs to hear what I'm saying. Everyone says, maybe someone out there needs to hear this. No one needs to hear what I think. I'm the same exact thing that you say, make myself a little bit smaller. It's it's more comfortable. Yeah. There was a, there was a point in time where you weren't as active on social media. Was it easy for you to start showing up and being on video and stories? Yeah. I think I've sort of tried to keep in step with the times, although like I'm I can just handle Twitter and Instagram and barely at that. I'm so grateful that I didn't have to sort of come of age during the social media, the fact that it's kind of overtaken our lives in every sense. I can't imagine what it's like to be a young person and sort of the stress and the pressure, everything that comes along with it. As I've grown increasingly more comfortable in my skin and sharing very intimate aspects of my life, it feels easier to sort of present that to the world at large. Yeah, because there's like a point in time where we would never talk about mental health, for example, on television, because the only way to go live used to be on television. But I see you showing up, talking about your own mental health and the practices you put into place and also so really participating. It's not easy. Like people listening to this who have not yet jumped into getting in front of the camera on Instagram, maybe. What advice would you say or what experience maybe did you have in the beginning that encouraged you? to keep at it? Gosh, that's tough to say because I feel like I have an ever-fluctuating relationship with it. I feel like I've kind of been in the midst of like grappling with my ever-changing relationship with social media and how much of myself to sort of put out there. Being a mom now, we had these hard, fast rules, but my husband and I were talking about when I was pregnant, okay, well, when the baby comes, what are we going to put out there of our lives? Are we going to put pictures of him up and videos of him up? But cover his face? Will we not put anything at all? Will we give that side of our lives to our friends and family? And so all of that to say, I think giving yourself space for your relationship with social media and how you put yourself out there, give yourself space for that to be malleable and to change and to fluctuate and to not put the pressure on yourself to completely be an open book and just show the world every aspect of your life or or feel the pressure of like, oh, if I'm trying to start a career in comedy or I want to do a web series or whatever your sort of creative endeavors and dreams may be, not feeling that pressure to start at a hundred. Slowly build up to things. Put one silly video that you made up, perhaps, and see what the response is to it. See how it feels to sort of put yourself out there. Yeah, see what your response is to it. Exactly. See what your response, see what the outside world's response is. Giving yourself space and a little bit of grace to sort of 
navigate it as deftly as you you can because it's weird and it's uncomfortable and you know sometimes it's fantastic to get great feedback from the world at large (laughs) and anonymous (laughs) people and then sometimes it's terrible I think you have to take the good with the bad the criticism with the adoration (laughs) and (laughs) that's not always easy it's not always easy to strike that balance so I understand having a tricky relationship with putting yourself out there Social media is so tricky. We want so much to happen on social media because for many of us, it's our only way to go live. It's the only camera looking at us. It's the only way that, you know, so it's very interesting Mm -hmm. to think about how lucky are people that they're able to take a photo and publish it and put it out there and connect with people and get feedback. That, That option wasn't around 20 years ago. Yeah. Not at all. Not even the way that it is now a decade ago. And to be able to have control and creative license over what you are showing to the world and what you are sharing with the world is really beautiful. I mean, I have loved that aspect of when I have something to say, especially if it's something really personal, it can come from me. I think for someone in my position for years and years, you would wait for the appropriate moment, whether it was speaking to a journalist or having an interview on television to be able to speak your mind and speak your piece. And now to have that option, just like everybody else, to share what you want to share with the world when you want to share it is is a beautiful thing. And in a sense, it, like, it alleviates the pressure. Yeah, you own it. What a privilege, it really, to be really honest, to get to own the content that you're a part of. Because again, like we didn't have that experience, you know, especially songs and things like that, right? That's where it gets really unfriendly, in my opinion. Yes, very unfriendly. That's a very awkward relationship to have with something that you love so much. I've been making a couple of podcast episodes, and it occurred to me that I can't imagine what you would feel like when you would when you were putting together an album. 20, 15, 5, 10, 2 years ago, where you would have to make all this content, put it up together, and then start pushing it out. Podcasting for me is the first time I'm ever creating my own content with my own intent, my own messaging, and sort of then releasing it out to the world. It's a painstaking process. I am so excited for this juncture of your life and your creative career. I cannot wait to just dig in deep and listen to all of these podcast episodes. I'm so glad that you are finally doing something front-facing the world. Is that the way to say it? I'm just like, it's so long overdue. You were such an incredible sounding board for so many, and you have been behind the scenes for so long developing other folks. It's high time that you had your moment in the sun because you have so, you are so gifted You are so wise. You have so much experience. You have so much to teach so many. And I'm really, really glad that you are recognizing that and giving yourself the space to share that with the world. It's really important. I love you so much. Thank you so much for doing this with me. You've been listening to I Have a Podcast with Vinny Podestivo. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, please find us at IHaveAPodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you next week.